Welcome to Tank Set, the podcast all about craft beer and video games. I'm Benoda, and this week I'm joined by Adel Koji. Hey. And Lucy Ewood. Hello. How are you both? Good? Adel? Pretty good. Good. Uh, being swarmed by cats. That's not unusual for you. Uh, but now that I'm not on a couch, um, they are actually crawling on me. Nice. Which um, means that the headphone cable is getting tugged. There we go. Nice. Uh, how about you, Lucy? Are you being swarmed by cats? Ah uh, no, sadly not. <laughs> I do want I do want a kitten though, because this cat that we took in that was a stray. She went missing a few 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 months ago. Oh no! Oh, she strayed off. Yeah, a stray strayed in, and then she strayed back off so. <laughs> <laughs> after a few years. But yeah, so I want a kitten. Nice, they are good. Right, let's kick into some beers. What beers uh, are you guys kicking off with? Ladies first. Okay, um, this is called Blood Orange IPA. Ooh, it's from uh, Brewerage de Molen. So I can't remember where are they Danish or something. I can't remember, but um, sounds almost but Dutch. Yeah, but is it Dutch? I don't know. I'm gonna have to research this. See, I should have researched it. <laughs> or is it Belgian? Yeah, or I was Dutch? gonna say it's, yeah. it sounds <laughs> Belgian, Dutch, or Dutch. Yeah, well. The um, website has .nl, so yeah, you're right, Dutch. But yeah, that's um, it says a fruit, rye, IPA-ish, strong beer. So nice. that'll be my first one. Cool. Strong is strong. Uh, let's have a look. 6.2%. Ooh. It's strong. Oh, mm. um, <laughs> both my beers are 6.5%. Um, I am going to have a limited run see i guess i have an ipa and a white ipa i'm guessing the white ipa first mm, maybe um no I'll, I'll do the white ipa last mm. which is the spe- the limited run one um just because i've mentioned it and now everyone can be like well could you no no instead we're gonna have red racer ipa it's our lovely red racers from i I think three episodes ago. Yeah, a few episodes ago. Yep. Um, No, he was licking my hand. Oh. (laughs) My cats think they're dogs. Uh, It's it's 6.5%, as I said, and its IBUs are 80. It has 80 of the IBUs, and it's Canadian. So, there's, uh, and this is a um, BC Surrey, Um, it, it has a little blurb. A style of ale fashioned to survive the long voyage from England to India during the British colonization. This award-winning IPA is about hops, hops, and more hops. This ale has an intense aroma and a long, lingering finish. A beer for the connoisseur. This is the brewmaster's choice. (laughs) I can't imagine they've been around since England first went over to India. No, they're saying IPAs have... (laughs) You know, I know. (laughs) It it won... Oh, but this is interesting. it says it's an award-winning IPA, but the two little awards say Brewery of the Year 2010 and 2012. Ah. Uh, but Brewery yeah. of the Year doesn't say all of the beers you have are award-winning. No, it does not. It says you have a really nice building and people inside it. 
<laughs> but yes, and of course... Did, nice. did you say ATIVU? Yeah. Wow. I think maybe I should have ended with it after all. <laughs> um, oh well. I'm going to start with the uh, Magic Rock Brewing Highwire West Coast Pale Ale. Oh no. I've not had it before. So. Um, is it this Wait. one? It is that one. <laughs> That's great. That means you guys can compare notes. Oh no. Have I... Right, hang on. Is that going to be your second beer? I'll have it first. Shall I have right, it you should, unless, you've opened, unless you've opened your I other one. I haven't opened the other one. Right. God, we're so coordinated. <laughs> this was all like, planned. Exactly. To be. E- even this conversation where we're referencing how it's planned and referencing the reference, and etc., is all scripted. It's right here on this piece of paper. It is. Because we right, print out our we, scripts. Um, whilst we're cracking these beers... I shall explain what's going to happen during the episode. We're going to talk about games, as we always do. We're going to talk about gameage. And then we're going to discuss... Uh, gameage? Gameage, yes. No, okay. I said a game each. A game oh. each. Perhaps I need to enunciate more. I kind of um, like this, this like pseudo-mid-90s hip. Oh, yeah. I t- what'd you do all weekend? Oh, I was bummed around the house. Did a lot of gameage. <laughs> did some gameage. No, we're not going back to the 90s. Um, we are going to be talking about G2A and the furore that has been caused with, um, is it Tiny Build, the developer? Yeah. yeah. Um, and some stolen keys for some of those their games. Um, but we should talk about that a little bit later. Adol, as Lucy and I are probably going to talk for a couple of minutes between us about how the beer is we've got. How's yours? Okay, so first of all, it's very clear. Uh, I would say amber honeyish in colour. The mm. head... It's actually quite substantial. I haven't had an IPA with uh, that created a sort of inch head that's lingered since I opened, uh, since I poured in a long time. Yeah. Ooh. It's got a really nice nose. It's actually kind of quite smooth. Ooh. Lemony? Snicket? No, just lemony. <laughs> um, there's a sweetness I can't quite tell. Is it like caramel? No, it's... um. It's almost it's it's not it's almost like white sugar like it's a very clean mm. sweetness there's not sort of any other things going on and of course a lovely lingering but very sort of light hops smell like that that skunkiness mm. of hops um but it's not overpowering but I'll have a sip nice whilst that was sipping you can come back to us with his thoughts what what do you think about the high wire loose I actually really like it. Mm. Um, it's not as hoppy as I'd probably like, but yeah, it's really nice. Um, nice smell. Yeah. Nice fruity smell. Very, very similar in the smell as in the taste. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times you have a disconnect where, mm. yeah, you know, they smell, they smell lovely, but it doesn't always come through in the body. So, but, but this is really nice. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. It's got that nice. Um, sort of tropical hit to it in the nose and mm. you kind of get that in the flavour but it's a bit more of a sour um, sort of um, like grapefruit you know, I'm going to say it's fucking grapefruit aren't I it kind <laughs> of but it, it is that is it as citrusy as grapefruit or is mm. it more of the tartness of the grapefruit that you're referring to uh, more the tartness I think it's very it's quite dry as well uh, I, well I suppose it, it always happens as we talk about the beers like we get very dry mouth but this one sort of not quite as dry as um, one of the beers I had a few weeks ago, which mm. has 
left me, which I can't remember, but it does have a, a, a nice dry finish, but as Lisa said, not quite as hoppy as, um, Interesting. as I would have thought. But, but how's yours taste? Do you take a big swig? It's really smooth. Um, in that, like, there's a lot of hop going on, but it's not like... Usually a very hoppy beer is one that the hops um, are like a phone book to the face. Mm. It knocks mm. you out, but doesn't leave a bruise. Um, actually, I don't know if that works on the face. It definitely works on the body, according to pop culture <laughs> references. Um, anyway, um, it's quite hoppy, but again, you know how I said the sort of hoppiness in the nose is quite sort of subdued, I guess? It's, 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 mm. Although it's not, it doesn't feel like it's lessened, but it's just not very in your face. Yeah. Um, the taste is like that, too. And it's doesn't... Usually you get this, like dropping curve of the sort of hoppiness and the dryness in your mouth um, mm. after you, uh, on an IPA especially, um, and now it's been one weird reference in a ramble, and it's still just as strong. Like, it okay, seems like nice. all of the hops are, are, are working together to just be a long taste, rather than sort of a smack in the face and then, you know, Yeah, like a big yeah. flavor, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really, really quite lovely. Nice. Uh, so, we shall move on to games and enjoy these beers. Lucy, as our guest, I'm going to allow you to kick off. Okay. Um, well, I haven't played many games recently because I think the last game, that, well, prior to the one I'm going to speak about, I finished was Uncharted 4. Okay. That was a few weeks ago. and I've just not been in the mood to play anything, really. But um, then I got sent, um, got sent a code for a game called 10 Second Injuress. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. Rolling your eyes, but um, yeah, I spoke to you about this um, about what to pick up on Vita. A deal, then um, yeah. Ten Second Ninja X. I think it might be already out on PC, but um, it's coming to consoles and Vita um, next month. Vita's a console. Soon. It's a um, handheld console. True, true. <laughs> I, I don't really call. Do you call handhelds consoles? I just call them uh, handhelds. Yeah, most. Uh, Colloquially, people do, but if you go to the websites which uh, tell you how to um, hypothetically take your console and mm. run code on it that wasn't sold to you by some sort of licensed publisher, you know, just mm. so you know how technology works and can really understand how complicated these things are, those educational sites, they call mm. them handheld consoles. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I stand corrected then, but, um, but yeah, it's... Basically, it's um, like a precision platformer. Um, you have these single screen levels. You play as a little ninja, obviously, from the title. Mm. And then basically what you do is um, there's so many uh, enemies that you have to kill, these robots or something like that. Um, I played on Xbox One, so it was it's simply just running and jumping. So the controls are pretty simple. It's just, you know, the A button to run, jump, etc. And then you have the X button to slash using your sword. And then you have the B button to throw shuriken. You only have three of those per level. And it's basically a game that's built on a simple concept, but it's just, you know, executed really well. And you have 10 seconds to complete every level. Nice. Very Uh, literal. Yeah. (laughs) And... You start playing it, um, I started playing it, basically um, the time in which you complete each level, 
determines how many stars that you get on the level, so yeah. the quicker the time, the more stars, etc. And you need so many stars to, unle- the, to unlock the next set of levels. Okay. Um, it's like Hitman Go and... Yeah, yeah. Hex cells. <laughs> yeah, perfect analogy, but yeah, that, that, that's how it is. But um, yeah, I started playing through it, and I was like, am I just too old for this? I mean, it's 10 seconds, you have to be so precise in your movements, um, and then I realized that I was only getting like one star on each level, but then going back to levels, you know, you know, understanding the way the, the level is being, you know, mapped, it's really good level design as well, um, just in the way that the fact that you can always get better. And mm. you think you think three stars is unattainable at the start, but after that, you know, after you keep practicing and practicing and practicing, you understand what you have to do, understand like little 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 differences um, in the gameplay and certain things that you can exploit, and then you basically get better. And it's just one of those things where it's just like. Such great gameplay. I mean, it has some tacked on story, which it really didn't need. It's just good. It's <laughs> well, just good mechanics and a good game. Yeah. So, yeah. is it kind? Of, it sounds it, well. Your description reminds me of Super Meat Boy. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot like that as well. Even down to like the art style as well. But it's yeah, precision flat, uh, precision platforming. That's what it is. So, yeah. does it? Um, it obviously, you've got this. Um, replayability and having to go back and, certain, mm. and understand sort of the nuance of the level and how to be able to get better at doing it. Does it become, um, or did it become boring sort of having to go back and, and keep doing this to then unlock stuff further? I mean, did you play it for sort of 10 minutes and then think, actually, no, I, I can't be bothered to 10 minutes. To that's open like up 60 anymore. levels. <laughs> well. I, th- I think overall there's, uh, I think there were six worlds with ten levels each. So yes, it was sixty levels, and then you can unlock <laughs> <laughs> legacy levels, <laughs> and then you can unlock legacy levels after that. Um, but what, what makes no, them legacy levels? Mm. Yeah, I think they're just um, they're a bit harder. That's mm. it, really. Um, but no, it didn't get boring at all because okay. um, when you're playing something that's ten seconds. You can play that level over and over and over again. Really, you've only invested what two minutes of your time anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's um, like the super hexagon approach too. Mm. Um, yeah, and they kept adding. They keep adding different um, mechanics. Like, so for example, um, in the first world, you'll encounter like um, like electrified parts, uh, electrified platforms. So you can't jump on those. In others, they they introduce like um, levers which make different areas and platforms move up and down etc or in like another world they have like these these laser beams which Yishiruken will bounce off and stuff like that so they kept adding it and adding it and you know it's it's quite a smooth um difficulty curve because they're not just throwing everything at you at once they they do it incrementally and mm. just kept it interesting from start to finish I, pl- I played it and finished it within a day so oh wow nice. um it's uh, it's not on sale on the Steam sale. I just checked. It's, it's ten ninety nine Canadian. You know? So I actually don't know what that is now that um, the pound <laughs> is not where it usually is. Sixty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! At least the price of a loaf of bread. I was going to yeah. say it used to be. Uh, I don't know. It's. I. I have a feeling it's going to take a while for um, retailers. If if the pound stays where it is, it's going to take a while for the retailers to catch down. 
Um, it always does. The market does always take a little bit of time to to actually yeah. um, be affected by sort of where the pound and the currency it sort of lies. It's the same within within housing and the housing market as well. It, it takes a while. Well, the housing market takes a lot longer than a lot of other things. Um, but yes, um, I suppose it kind of leads me into the game that I've been playing quite easily, um, which is volume. Yeah. Which is very similar in that it is um, very quick levels that you have to, to, to make your way through. They're not 10 second levels. Um, some of them can be up to sort of two minutes long, but uh, volume is a little bit different. It's not a platformer as such. You are, um, is it isometric? It's not quite isometric, is it? It's sort mm. of top down, top down, not quite stealth. top down, sort of three quarter yeah. sort of um, sort of stealth platformer almost. It kind of um, brought on memories of the sort of the VR training missions from the original or from the from Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Uh, very similar in that sort of sense. Um, you, you make your way through a um, a level which um, it is almost kind of a maze. You have to work out the way that you want to get around it. But there are various obstacles, such as uh, guards or further in the game sort of turrets, and and they have. Um, vision cones and you can duck beneath these vision cones to make your way past them or you unlock lots of different mechanics as you sort of make your way through the levels so you have you can pick up an item which you can throw which makes a sound in the distance and they'll turn and look at it so you can make your way past or an ability to be able to run a little bit faster um, so you can get past pads on the ground which will make a loud noise as you step on them so sort of they as with this, uh, with the game you've been playing, Lucy, it sort of ramps up the difficulty, but gives you the mechanics yeah. to be able to um, to overcome them, just to give uh, more variety, I suppose, within the the later levels. Um, with volume, it re- released with a hundred levels, and I'm probably only maybe fifty levels in. Um, again, it has a tacked on story, which is quite interesting to be fair um, and it doesn't ever take you out of the missions you can finish a level and then go straight into the next one and the story is just told through dialogue as you're going through the the level um, I suppose mm. it, the the aim of the level is to collect a load of um, diamonds and then make it to a pad at the end or back where you started to finish the level and it's all about a, a guy who is kind of um, undertaking heists, which is why it's diamonds, I suppose, that you sort of have to collect, but sort of set in this dystopian kind of VR training room future. Yeah, like Cyberpunk-y, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. Um, and that one's made by um, Bithel Games, by yep. Mike Bithel. The hero who is Mike Bithel. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, we're, we're, like, we're massive fans of Thomas Was Alone. Oh, I love that game. Um, I love that game. And I, I'm, I've been playing this on PS4, mm. picked it up, um, in a, they occasionally have these flash sales or the digital discount sales that the PlayStation Four do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one in like, Canada a few days ago. Yeah, yeah, in the middle of the Steam sale. It's like really. Well, <laughs> they've got to try and get some of that that share, haven't they? I mean, mm. uh, with a lot of um, you know, like PlayStation and Xbox, they now do a lot of digital only games, which you don't get a hard release off. They need to start bringing people in from the massive marketplace that is Steam. Um. So, yeah, I played it on Vita, and it was such a good fit for Vita. Because like, yeah. it, it's one of those games where it's just, you know, pick up, 
knock out a few more levels, etc., etc. Mm. Yeah, I played it at work. <laughs> it was brilliant. One of the interesting things that I haven't looked at yet is the um, the creation tool. Yeah, um, yeah. that there are. Uh, so there's these hundred levels for you to be able to play, um, but there are, you know, I suppose, infinite levels for, or as many as there has been created. Um, sort of community created levels um, and I've not jumped in to see how the creation tool works yeah. um, nor have I played any of the, um, yeah. the community created levels yet to see sort of what the difference would be or how hard and fast the rules for creating levels sort now, of are. Is this a thing you normally do? Cause I, 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 it seems like except for maybe, well, no... I know people who always jump into that and sometimes don't really care about the the regular game, like the people who have that modding spirit, mm. um, if not modding practice, those, those weird creative types, unlike us who are weird talk about creative types <laughs> things. Um, but and then there's people like me who almost never look in that section of a game, and I was just curious um, where you guys lie on that, or do you lie in the middle, thus ruining my dichotomy. I, I'm not very creative at all, so I love that they're there, that, that they're there, those creation tools, because, yet, yeah, as you said, makes infinite amount of levels and just gives, you know, a game that longevity. But, no, I'm not someone who, who tends to do like that. Do you play but them, or do you just like I, that they I, exist? I, I, actually, I, actually, I like that they exist, and I do play the, the odd ones. I mean, look at Super Mario Maker, a perfect example. Well, That's I almost built mentioned around it. that. But uh, yeah. and I realized that it's it's a biased sample because no one who isn't into that would buy it. <laughs> it's a game made for the former group. But that's the thing. Um, I think there's a stark contrast because I think with volume, they do have... Um, I know at the beginning, I think they had like Mike Biffle actually uploading new levels that he had made. Oh, really? Was, yeah, I think so at the, at the start. I don't know if that he's still doing that or, or his, or his um, development team is still doing that, but there's That's such a, really a massive... idea. Yeah, there's such a massive difference between people who know how to design a game and people who don't. <laughs> and it's just like... I, I played some of the volume ones from other people and they were all just way too hard or too too obscure. You didn't even know what you had to do or where you had to go. And I didn't really pick it, pick that up again. But if the de- development team continue to release levels that way, then I'd I'd get back into playing volume. I suppose it'd be it's kind of you want a, almost a cur- uh, a curation of yeah. it, don't you? Someone to pick and choose um, sort of the, the the best kind of levels to be able to play, um, which kind of goes on a, a a few a couple of days or a weekly rotation. So you're always having new things highlighted for you, highlighted to play but mm. then that means that you know the the Bithel games have to dedicate one person to actually go into that every week and you know spend well, time to 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 they, actually sit keep on top of it but, but they yeah. could just add sort of user stars right, could, yeah. yeah yeah quite possibly and then i mean you and you could just have two filters one all time high or highest rated and um you know highest rating in the past week yeah yeah um, Good, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, from from my point of view, it's something that I do jump into. Um, I remember playing Little Big Planet and creating some absurd levels, and, and I did do and that on the so. original Little Big Planet. Um, I, I will say that, and again, it's 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 
I think it's much like the Mario Maker. It has its own plot, but really, most people were playing around with what people published to, to yeah. some extent. Like it was very much it captured people's imaginations mm. that way. I, I think one of the the games that I probably spent the most amount of time actually creating something on um, was. I don't remember which number in the series it was, but it's one of the Tony Hawk games. Um, and actually sort of building oh, my yeah, own yeah. skate yeah. park, mm. um, which at the time, I'm sure it was one of the PlayStation 2 games because I don't, I didn't have the, um, the router, the, yeah, the network adapter plugged into the PlayStation, so the, the PS2 wasn't online. So I wasn't taking anyone else's levels that they'd made and I wasn't able to share them the only people that I could share these levels with were my friends who I invited round to come and have a go, hmm. really. Um, but I'm not yeah, sure I whether Yeah, I spent it's... a lot of time on that level. I think it was four, was it? I can't remember. It might, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's, I think that's the only example where I've actually, you know, tinkered with the um, creation tools. Mm. I, I would only... On Skate 3, I would tinker with the uh, creation tools only to the extent of trying to make really stupid stunts yeah, yeah like getting on top of the um sports arena and then putting a ramp or whatever and seeing if you can <laughs> land on one of the sort of poles that's uh, has a bit of a landing part like 20 meters outside was basically trying to get to places that you shouldn't be able to get to that was how i skate three <laughs> was it was it skate two or skate three with the dam i think it was two because I just remember spending so much time at the top wheeling towards the dam and just jumping off and seeing how the character bounced around and all of that x-ray yeah. sort of vision mode as their bones broke. A little bit <laughs> sadistic, perhaps. Oh, it's just like a Chow Yun Fat movie from the <laughs> late <laughs> 90s, mid to late 90s. Uh, nice. What was that? Romeo Must Die. That was a Jet Li movie. That was a Jet Li movie. But it had that as well. I think the first time I... The, Oldest film I know that had it was, um, I think it's Full Contact, I think, Chow Yun-Fat, 1993. I think that had it. Um, so, you know, this has been, oh, I don't even have a good reference for filmed up. I was like, <laughs> canistered up? No, that doesn't work. Doesn't work. So I don't what film came in for a second, and there's like film canister. Oh, I guess canned up. Canned up? Mm. What have, um, what, let's lead into your game. What have you been playing this week? Have you played anything this week with... You know, further packing. Well, you know, you're all packed up now, aren't you? So. Oh, yeah. The, I, the house has no furniture. It has the air mattress mm. uh, that I'm going to sell slash give away on my last day in town. And it has... Oh, it has my office chair because no one in Kijiji wanted that. Which is, you guys <laughs> Do you have Kijiji? No. no. It's like Gumtree and Craigslist. Mm. It's just the predominant one in Canada. Uh, and it is uh, Swahili for village, um, and um, and I uh, we have a spare door from at some point in the uh, house's history. It's like nineteen thirteen, nineteen something like that. Um, so it's got these like crystally uh, metal handles, like it's okay of the era. Uh, so, but I uh, no one wanted to buy my collapsible. Um, Sawhorses, so sawhorses plus door equals desk, and that is my current gaming, gaming <laughs> platform, where I literally nice. mean it is a platform that I built to game on. <laughs> um, 
I haven't really played that much. Um, I have tried to play things because I've tried to figure out how I got it, got my um, GT seven eighty video card, yeah, GTX seven eighty video card to work on the MacBook Air via the Thunderbolt, which is possible, and that's how I gamed when I was in Saskatchewan and. I played Just Cause 2 with all the bells and whistles. This was right before Just Cause 3 came out. Um, and it was great. Uh, and I was like, oh, well, I should recreate that because then I can bring that setup to England. Um, mm. and, and then I, I won't, won't be so sad. Um, <laughs> but something went wrong and then Windows exploded. And then for an afternoon, the uh, partitions were so messed up I could barely get to an operating system. So I played the game of tinkering around, and the game of painting a house, and Lego Star Wars, the complete saga. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that all... Lego Star Wars is all six of them, isn't it? It's the first six, yeah. But then there's Lego Star Wars 3, um, which was based on the Clone Wars cartoon. Right. And right. it was called 3 because originally it was Lego Star Wars... One and two, which were the two trilogies, I can't yeah. remember which ones came out first. But then they came out. You can't buy the, them separately. They just came out with a complete one. So every time you see the Lego games on sale, it's like Lego Star Wars, Lego Star Wars three. Well, I want Lego Star Wars two. It doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot better uh, with a Steam controller than a uh, mouse and keyboard. Nice. I just have never bothered to play a Lego game with a controller. Because um, I always forget that I can do that on a PC, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm re- really enjoying it, and it's nice and simple. And it, I think it was mostly because I kept seeing uh, adverts and uh, blog posts about Force Awakens Lego, which came out today. Yes, yeah, I think so. Um, and so it's like, well, that's going to cost a lot of money. Why don't I play one of the oldest Lego games that's not Indiana Jones? <laughs> And it still nice. holds up. Oh, it's great. Well, yeah. I guess they were pretty simple. Um, and they always have been mm. with that formula. So, yeah. I, and I don't honestly, I mean, it's interesting because Lego, um, this was back when even the licensed Lego just had the two dots and the smile for the heads. They were just all yeah. flesh colored mm. heads. That's what, when that game first came out. So your, your guys look weird because now <laughs> they would have some, you know, coy expression or something. Or facial uh, hair. Yeah. And also <laughs> they don't talk because now all Lego games need people to talk. But I didn't really notice the lack of dialogue. I think it's also because now, except for this game and maybe the Avengers, which I haven't played, and Jurassic World, um, most of them have been not based specifically on a plot. Uh, So Lego Star Wars, you know the plot, so it's not a big deal that you don't hear the actors Mm. saying, doing like the vocal transitions between things, because I know exactly why they're on that chip. I know exactly what's going on. Oh, God, yeah. there's Jar Jar. Can I kill him? Can I just let him die? Oh, I'm running out of studs because I just keep killing Jar Jar. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I still like the Lego games. And it's along the lines of your what you guys were saying. It's a little longer procession, but it's it's a quick, like, sit down, bash out a level. Mm. Go back yeah. to painting. I always find those games, um, I'm not a big fan of them, but I quite enjoyed them when it were, when sort of we turned them into two-player games. I was going to say, it's, it's so much better with two people. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Or four people. I don't know if you can do You know you can have two people. Uh, anything. I don't know I don't if know. you can do that. It would be awesome as four people, but I think you'd just be pandemonium. Yeah, yeah. There'd be far too much going on. Because 
don't the um, the studs when you collect them they fly up into your fly your up total. into your corner as such. Yeah. So if you had four people doing that all of the time, you just have studs all over the place. You have no idea what's going on. Like a male strip club. It would be. well, yes. <laughs> I thought you'd said like a maelstrom then, which oh. would have been similar. But um, maelstrom male strip club sounds like a hilarious place. <laughs> Um, yes. Come on down to the maelstrom. Uh, okay, I'm not hearing well because I heard "Come on, Dad." <laughs> no, no, no dad's, oh, dear. dad's involved. I'm not a dad yet, so we can't do that. Um, I'm going to open my second beer because I've absolutely banged through this uh, high wire. It was lovely, wasn't it? It was nice. It was really nice. So yeah. I'm having that problem with a really long finishing IPA in that. Uh, I have a lot left because I just don't think of sipping as long as it tastes in my mouth. And to be honest, the taste hasn't really left my mouth. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> um So I am opening up an Arbor. Mm. You know I love my Arbor beers. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, is a, this is a Summit. It's a single hot IPA. So it is just Summit hops. But how many of the hops? Well, you... you one of your beers last week had five out of seven hops, didn't it? Yeah, whatever that means. I'm calling this, uh, what, calling this a five out of seven. It doesn't say it's um, IBUs or anything on it, does it? I'll have a quick look, but um, ooh, I've pulled that a little bit too quickly. Um, let's have a look. No, no, the Arbor ones don't give you a lot of that um, sort of techie information that some I didn't think they did. the other beers do. Um, but it's a, a pint bowl, six and a half percent. It's a very nice colour, quite similar to the high wire, but a little bit darker, not quite as. Um, they're both um, they're both tinged. not filtered, or at least not. No, no, I don't, I don't believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, very opaque. Um, it has got a very nice, like a really, really fruity nose to it, but not in the same way as the high wire. Maybe it's not quite that tropical yeah. sort of uh, fruity that the high wire is getting. Something, something slightly different, but kind of still a, a, a nice sweetness to it. Knows this is a honey sweetness or like a brown sugar, almost like a sugary kind of sweetness. And on the taste, it's not quite the same, but it's still got that sweetness to it. But it is hoppy. It's a nice yeah. hoppy taste, but with a very slight, almost like you say, like a brown sugary kind of sweetness to it. Um, and that's uh, uh, Arbor are just very good at making beer. This is, Absurd. Uh, I, I think, think, I think that needs to be the Twitter um, quote. Ellipses. Arbor is just ellipses. Really good <laughs> at making beer. Um, uh, yeah, they're a, a Bristol-based brewery, Lucy, which oh, is why okay. I've had sort of um, quite a lot of their beers. Um, yeah. they're, they're in sort of almost all of the bottle shops that I um, that I visit, but I've not, not that I've been in many bottle shops elsewhere. Yeah. Instead of Bristol, but I've not seen them anywhere else. I can imagine you can probably get them in other I'll places. Keep an eye. I'll keep an eye yeah. out. No, this is this is nice. It's got a nice long finish on it. That t- that sweetness sort of sticks around quite a lot. Now, just sort the, of hit hit by the hops straight away. But yeah, so it sounds like the it's sort of the opposite of mine in that it it's big on the hops, but the finish is very hop like. Light, mm. hop light. light. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Hop light and the hop light are very different things. <laughs> Good. Uh, are you ready for your second, Luce? I think I am. But yeah, it's the <laughs> Blood Orange IPA that I'm going to open up now. 
Nice. Um, let's have a look. Lucy is much fancier than us um, because she actually bothers to get a new glass. <laughs> um, I just swirl mine around and try and drink as much out of it as possible. I, uh, I'm going to make the claim that given the strength of the beers we usually ta- taste, the few milliliters that might taint them of the previous beer get drowned out quite literally. Very I've much. also made the case that I'm very lazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. That beer looks really dark. Um, I don't know if it's dark room because the sun has just disappeared. But <laughs> um, well, if you hold it up say... to the screen, yeah. Oh, uh, some lights. Right. It's oh, quite okay. dark, but oh, yeah. it's clearly it's clearly uh, dark orange. Yeah, it, it looks like um Deep like gold, a milk dark, chocolate. Dark, yeah. That has like one of the that um, also like a very milky chocolate, but also has um, orange in it. Yeah, I mean that's what they said. I mean um, that it's got blood orange color, blood orange IPA. But um, let me smell it. Not much orange coming through on the smell. Oh wow, that's quite. <laughs> it's nice actually, but um, the body's you know a bit heavier than I thought. But yeah. um, I say that wasn't that was a, a, a sort of a, a face of someone that wasn't quite sure <laughs> yeah. what they thought of it. I, like, I think that's you know, one of my favorite thinking. moments in, in tasting a, a friend of beers you come across when you are immediately startled by the mm. taste, and then you sort of have a couple seconds and then realize this is quite good. It's just totally not what, what I was I ready be, for. Yeah. Uh, not too hoppy. I mean, I think I'm drinking it a bit warmer than I should have. It says, um, recommending that seven degrees. Uh, it's 41 OBU. So not bad. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's quite nice. Um, not much hops as I would have thought. But yeah, the, it's got citra, cascade, and mosaic hops. You, you can tell the citra with mm. um, the overall taste. But it's it tastes it tastes a, a bit like a stout at the same time. It's it's really quite strange. It's got like um, almost coffee maltiness to it, and it's so nice. Is it mm. kind of like the sort of like the black IPAs I've had a few of, where it's just got that almost. It's almost in the uh, consistency of it, rather than in the sort of the taste. Yeah. Of it. It's just got that slight little thickness to it, which kind of makes you think of a stout. Which I suppose, once you then start, when you're drinking, when you start thinking about another beer, you sort of start yeah. to take on the. I think that's generally a tasting thing. Mm, mm. It's really quite complex, but it's still really well balanced. But yeah, it's 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 got a range to it. It's like it's not your typical IPA. Um, I would say yeah, you're probably closer to um, being correct with the black IPA, but it's not as well. It's six point was it six point two? Yeah, so it's not. Mm. It, it's it's strange. It's hard to put my put my um, finger on it, but I think black IPA is probably the best cool. way to describe it. But it's not black; it's orange. <laughs> well, it's blood orange though, so it's still it a bipa. Yeah, or a boipa. It's a boipa, I guess. Boipa. Um. 
Nice. You look. You just look ready, Adol, to open up your uh, open mm-hmm. up your next beer. Um. So this, the one I teased earlier, is uh, made by Propeller Brewing, which is uh, on Gottingen Street in Halifax. Although some people say Gottingen, and I don't know. I've never known. I've lived here for two years, and I sometimes say Gottingen, and sometimes I say Gottingen. Mostly, I say Gottingen because it sounds like Cottingen, and Cottingen Street is hilarious. Um, given the horrible, horrible history of Halifax being the first place of settlers from Europe and Canada. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Propeller is a lovely brewery, um, but this is their um, mashup. Well, they've joined forces with Flying Monkeys Craft Brewery, where I don't actually know where Flying Monkey is from. And, um, and it is... How do you make flying monkeys? Add a propeller. So the tagline <laughs> is two craft beer breweries, one by sea, one by lake, one great beer. So uh, obviously propellers by the sea. There's a lake near Flying Monkey, I guess. Uh, and it's uh, it's got quite the complex uh, label. Yes. Oh, completely the opposite to this then. Yeah. Just writing. <laughs> Um, so I'm super interested because I've never had a white IPA. Uh, I think I might have. Yeah, I, th- I think I might have, but not that I can recall who it was from. It might have been Big Hug Brewing. or, or I know they changed their name recently. Big Bear Hug Brewing or something like that. Mm. Might have been from them. You sort of imagine with a white IPA that it's going to be a lot lighter in colour, don't you? Um Obviously, with a black IPA, it is very literal. That you yeah. have oh, that wow. very black colour to it. So, I'm not sure what else. Uh, by by calling something a white IPA, I'm not really sure what that definition sort of means, really. Yeah, no, I've, I, I've, I've something poured, to research. I've, I've yeah. done a Ben and poured a lot, this. A load of head, nice. Um, see, that's that's. Um, it's not even sure. the, sorry. It's like. I was about to say that that's not what we thought it would look like, no. is it? <laughs> it? It is um, yellower and lighter than my last beer, but not by a whole lot. It's mm. I think it looks a, a lot of the darkness comes from the fact that it is it's cloudy, it's unfiltered versus the last one, which is clear. Yeah, um, it's clearly North American because I got like two and a half inches of head. Um, <laughs> har har! <laughs> I see that smirk, Mister. Uh, <laughs> I try uh, not to laugh at your rude, <laughs> rude jokes. It wasn't the joke. There's two and a half inches ahead. <laughs> the joke would be something along the lines of, oh, she couldn't take it all or something, or, oh, she, that's all you've got, or I didn't think that half inch How does your you. beer smell? Um, it, uh, immediately, uh, when I poured it, I got a hit, a big, well, I got a hit of, um, I, can't, I don't know what sweet it is, but it's a, like a candy... It's not quite those weird, chewy or gummy. Well, not gummy. Those chewy, foamy banana candies. Oh yeah, yeah. It doesn't have quite the strength of banana, but in that family, there's a, a sweet that this this smelt from about a foot and a half away as I poured it exactly like. But mm. I'll, I'll give it a, a, bit, a bit closer smell. Yeah, I remember uh, one of our sort of initial episodes, at least in the first sort of run of 10 episodes that we did. In the Alex, first season? Yes, the first season. Alex was, um, we had a couple of beers which had that kind of 
um, almost bubblegummy um, kind of mm. flavour, which was a very banana-y um, sort of taste. And Alex, I, off the top of my head, I seem to remember he was saying that there was this that in the beers that we'd had, it was very, one very specific hop which which brought that to the, mm. the to the beer. Um, so it'd be interesting to know what hops you do have in that. Well, thanks to our the out of lives um, slight technical difficulties. Now my um, my podcast app is telling me that I haven't listened to almost all of them. Um, <laughs> you have to go back. So so I I mean I can't just click on them and say Mark is on Blade. That that'd be cheating, right? It would yes, it would. Um, okay. Oh wow! You get uh, up close. You get a lot more. I don't know what that is. You know the sort of the undercurrent of rankness you get on a very, very strong smelling skunky beer, like not the skunk hit, but that sort of, mm. for lack of a better term, that that sort of lower um, something's off, but smell like it's not actually yeah, yeah. mustiness or something. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, it has a lot of that. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of getting that from this this arbor now as well. To be fair, now. <laughs> not not not. not Precisely now, but since as right. I've been drinking it, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Fringe issues. Um, and I still get it's it's so it's not that strong, but it completely overpowers that um that sweetness uh, I was describing mm. earlier. Um, it's just the sweetness sort of from further away you can smell, mm. and then up close it's just completely crowded crowded out. Um, but I will take a swig. I will have to have another sip. Um, <laughs> can't, can't quite get it. Well, it's odd because IPAs usually leave your mouth sort of dry. Yeah. And this is actually leaving my mouth feeling wet. Okay. Like there's a, like a, there's some sort of body that sort of lingers on the top of my mm. mouth and my tongue. Um, it has the citrusiness of a, like a Hefeweizen. Yeah. Um. You know, which isn't super strong citrusy, but clearly citrusy. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there are that many hops in it. I'll have to come back. There's a there's also a taste that I can't quite place right now that is the predominant flavor. Mm. Um, but why don't we talk about Grand Two Auto? Yes, G Two A. Oh, they've been silly buggers, haven't they? <laughs> uh, well. Have they been silly buggers, or are they, and they always have been? They I, uh, always have been, it's just now that they've been caught out on it. So. Yeah, why don't, why don't you give us a rundown of what G2A is, Adol? Because we, we talk about it quite a lot on the podcast, not because we've ever really used them, because mm-hmm. we look we look at things. Um, I won't lie, I've used them to sell some keys and to buy some keys, and it wasn't until the uh, tiny... Tiny build. build yeah. I was... I had tiny build in my head, and then I was like, "That doesn't sound right," but apparently it was. Um, that I, I, it wasn't until that article, which I, I will get to in a second, uh, that I real, I really realized what the damage was going on. Mm. But basically, they are a uh, reseller market. It's like eBay's buy it now only for yeah. keys. So mm-hmm. you, um, you basically can sellers can list their keys, which are loosely verified, which I still don't know how they do, but they know how to reject keys. 
um, uh, you basically upload, put up a sale saying, I have a key for this game, and I want this price, and people will buy it. And they take a small, they charge a small fee yeah. for each transaction. So the seller gets the entire amount they are saying they are, they are pay, selling it for. Um, and so if you, the search is reasonably robust, but it wasn't until the, very recently that it used to be the case that you type something and get that, that usual autocomplete. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't hit enter and get the full list. It would just take you to the first entry yep. unless you clicked on another one. Now it'll actually do a proper search, which I was like, okay. "Ooh!" Except now I don't really want to use this website, so boo-hoo. <laughs> um, but you can sometimes get uh, games for very cheap um, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, I thought it was predominantly two things, which was buying a bundle or buying a bunch on a steam sale and then six months later like you're sitting on a keys that if you want the game you're not near a sale so suddenly there's a like a super cheap price because they didn't pay a lot yeah um i call that prospecting them and that's what i've done a couple times like bought a cheap bundle on bundle stars because i wanted one of the games and that one game was still cheaper buying the bundle of like five to seven games was still cheaper than buying the one game um, and then listing the other ones for, you know, a couple cents lower lower than the lowest price they're currently listed for. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and then the other thing would be uh, currency exchange things. Um, so a lot of countries are you don't like. There's no North American region Steam keys. There's Steam Global keys. Mm-hmm. There are European keys, but I, I I get the impression that it's mostly for the um, the blocks on German games for certain types of titles where you yes yeah yeah sort of uh, censored or complete blockages of certain games. Um, I think for Russian as well, perhaps uh, Russia has it, but that's mostly that's a lot has to do with currency, right? Um, because their purchasing power of their is mu- is a lot different. Like if you did the straight currency exchange, uh, the Steam games are like sometimes ten percent of what they would be. Here, right. but the purchasing power is so different. Like you can't mm. just go by the exchange rate. What what they can do with uh, their money is a lot more than if mm-hmm. you traded it in for pounds and tried to do it, kind of thing. Yes, yeah. Um, but that's why they have the region restriction, so that you couldn't just get a bunch, get a friend in Russia, a friend in Russia, um, to just buy a bunch of games and then send you the keys, and then you'd get them yeah. super cheap. Um, so that's why they have the regions, right? But there's still gaps. For instance. Uh, depending on how they react to the pound and how long the pound stays where it is or mm-hmm. in that range, um, it might be cheaper to buy a key, like buy North American keys, um, just because they, it won't make sense anymore, or vice versa, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I can't. So that's the the sort of that was my working impression of, of G two A. Um, and so I liquidated a bunch of keys um, to get the division on PC. Uh, I think I talked about it before. That was my first yep. real like, hey, there's an expensive game I can't afford. I'm just going to see if I can afford it by getting rid of the keys that I'm lying around mm. from bundles, mm. etc. Um, and um, and that worked reasonably well. I still have a few keys left over, etc. Um, but uh, then. Tiny Build came along, yep. and they posted... Do you remember where? Um, I believe it was... F- uh, I saw it on Eurogamer. 
Um, but I think they um, Tiny Build first went onto Reddit. That's right. It was um, a Reddit post um, and and posted about um, their issues with um, with G two A. And what's G two A has been gaining traction. So like a year ago, not many people, not, only like certain hardcore people knew mm. about G two A. Um, and now almost everyone does. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that's a lot of that has to do with the fact that they um, they have an incentive program where you can basically, as a user, um, you can generate a code which will give people like three percent off or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you, depending on how many people use your code, they'll kick, do kickbacks. So a lot of the YouTubers are quote unquote sponsored by G two A. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So they they really they've really started pushing. G2A because that's their sponsor and they get the dollar dollars. Um, and okay, so that, that happens. But then Tiny Build came along and he told it, Tiny Build, I can't remember the name of the guy now, but he told the story of the latest game that they have and I can't remember that either. That's why I'm Punch telling Club. this story. Punch Club, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, because they've actually spoken about Punch Club prior to this saying how, you know, piracy affects. I think it had been. Downloaded more, you know, millions of downloads had been pirated, etc., yeah. rather than bought. So, but, so you know, the, yeah, I remember that actually. But I've always yeah. had a problem with that argument because there's this giant fallacy that underpins it, which is that every person who pirated this game has the ability and would buy it. And I think that's mm. just not true. There's a lot of gamers out there who have. I mean, I used to be like this um, hypothetically uh, when I was younger. With films, there was like a tier of buy it, uh, download and keep, and download. And then if yeah, the download like, and keep, I watched a couple of few times, I might upgrade, I might just go buy the Blu-ray or the DVD. Yeah. Um, and I definitely know people who are like that with games. Um, and that doesn't make so you can't. The, I mean, obviously, there's a large chunk of those people who might buy your game, but you can't say that because 4.5 pe- million people downloaded the game, you have lost. Four point five times ten dollars or whatever, mm. but um, he he actually did some maths. Yes, before you go on, it was Alex Nichiporich. Yeah, he's a CEO, isn't he? Yeah. Yep. Um, do you have the article up with the maths? I have. I have. He suggested that um, uh, all of their keys. I don't have exactly the keys between because it was. Um, I believe it's Punch Club Party Hard. Um, speedrunners and maybe a fourth game um, so but they um, they reckon that um, through the G2A marketplace um, about four hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth made um, uh, were were stolen as oh, I thought it, they were the, saying that they made I thought it was more than that I thought they were saying that they made G2A would have profited oh no you're right I've got the Tiny builds. I've got the actual article up. You're right. So G2A yeah. sold four hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars worth of their keys. Yes. Um, and they say G2A is like eBay for games. You can get a key, sell it on G2A, make some money. But the the problem with this was that um, a load of keys had been sold through um, Tiny Builds um, website, and they had been then um, uh, their bank or whoever. Their marketplace person was for their website had stopped any further sales going through because there'd been reports of stolen credit cards being used to buy these keys. Well, it's not even about reports; it's the fact that um, when a stolen credit card uses these things, 
that they then do a chargeback. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so the credit card company says, um, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This was not right. This person didn't do it." And they try and get they they do a chargeback, and because everything's now online, it's not even an argument, right? They can just take the money. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so now they down now it's a key that wasn't sold, right? Mm-hmm. For all intents and purposes, the money came in for a week or two and then left again. But someone has the game, and G2A takes their 3% or their small fee, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and is this sort of, this is what I was alluding to with the, uh, um, I didn't think about, I didn't really think about how this was part of the model. Um, so, uh, um, so he, uh, he, Alex actually talks to um, a G2A merchant, and he makes three to $4,000 a month. Um, on G2A. Yeah. Uh, and the way he does it is he gets a hold of a database of stolen credit cards on the dark web. He goes to a bundle third-party key reseller, buys a ton of game keys, and so these are the legit resellers like your Humble bum- Bundles, your Indie Galas, your yep. Bundle Stars. Um and then he puts them on G2A and sells them for half the retail price. Um, and it turns out that these distribution partners are getting just destroyed by the chargebacks. Yeah. Um, because um, they can't afford things because they're selling keys that they're getting wholesale from either, either Steam, which is rarer, or more likely the actual developer, like I said. Uh, distribution partners. So y- mm-hmm. you have a big reach. So I'm going to sell you, you know, a thousand keys at ten percent of the price. But you know, we're a small firm, so we'll still make more money that way than we would with the small reach we would generate ourselves. Yes, I think the the, the main problem with it isn't just the selling, is it? It's it's G2A's sort of overall response with this as well by saying to Tiny Build, if you come to us and tell us which of those keys right. worse, so, were uh, were purchased with stolen credit cards in which you have uh, been um, not been compensated they've not been purchased as such or they've had to give the money back to the stolen credit card um, then we will do something about it we'll be able to to help you in this and Alex is issue is how am I going to go through you know the I'm tens shop, tens yeah. of thousands of yeah. keys to work out which ones are stolen and which ones are legit it's it's unfeasible for me to be able to actually do that and i can't remember what the exact time frame but g2a basically said you have three days to comply yeah you know ed 209 style is um so um yeah they ended up getting screwed by chart their own shop got screwed by chargebacks but um yes they were actually talking to g2a about being a direct distribution partner which um, gave them in the discussions actual sales statistics, which is the maths I was alluding to. Mm. Mm. Um, and that's where the four hundred fifty thousand dollars comes from, because uh, he has access to the units sold and yeah, the average yeah. price of these three games, um, but also how many you know chargebacks came back, etc. Before um, we um, before we get into G two A's response and and how it's sort of gone through, have you, Lucy? Have you used G two A at all? I hadn't even heard of them prior to 
this story, so I wasn't even aware of their existence. But I know that Tiny Build have always been quite outspoken about um, this kind of stuff, so it, it's not surprising that they were the ones who, you know, quote-unquote broke this story. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they definitely aren't shying away. I think they've realized, I think actually it has to do with the fact that I was talking about earlier, that sort of fallacy at the piracy claims, is that... Mm. One of the fears people have is alienating your user base by um, crying about being uh, pirates and how that sucks. But I think they've realized that these users aren't really there's like the amount of money they would legit make off these users is so low it's basically ne- negligible. So you might as well scream to high heaven about what's going on, or at least talk mm. to high heaven. Mm. Uh, what what I do respect is that just they try and make very clean, fact driven arguments. Obviously, there's, I mean, you could probably find some, some biases, etc. But, like, it's very much a, this is what's going on. Here are the facts. Here is how I came to the facts. Even the piracy, they gave the numbers. But, like I said, I think there was a false premise there. But this uh, argument seems a lot more sound. And also, um, it shows the disincentive G2A has to um, to address this problem. Because, again, G2A doesn't make... No matter what the price of the game is, G2A makes sort of the same nominal fee, right? They just want people, they want as many keys sold as possible because they get their fee every time. Mm. Um, yeah. And also they have their weird G2A shield, um, which is another scam, by the way. Completely. Um, we'll move on to actually what GTA, uh, G, GTA, no, G. A. My fault. <laughs> yes, what their response was to um, to Tiny Build, and they've for, uh, supposedly they've obviously gone back and thought, well, we'll have a look at this. It's been raised by Tiny Build, and other people are sort of getting on onto us and telling us that this is actually an issue. And they've come along and said that they are going to put a support system in place for developers, which essentially allows the developer to. Put a or uh, to be able to claim ten percent. Well, so they've allowed d- developers. They've, they've said we will um, we will change our model such that developers can partner with us. I still think there's a partnership involved, but such that no matter where the source of the key is, if a mm-hmm. key to your game is sold, you will get ten percent. Yes, um, but uh, I haven't got a huge amount more detail on it. But it did appear from uh, as we were talking about Mike Biffle earlier. It did appear from a couple of his tweets that you would still have to, if you wanted to, um, go to them with um, like fraudulent keys, that you would still have to do all of the work of finding out which keys were fraudulent and going oh. to them. They weren't going to put any kind of system in place for verification on these keys, that they were purchased from a, uh, a reputable source. So whether that comes through a bundle or whether someone has purchased it uh, legitimately and then, uh, you know, an authorized purchase, yes, um, that they weren't going to do anything about the actual root cause yeah. of I've, this issue. I've got um, the seven points uh, of their their actual proposal in front of me, but I will say before, just before that quickly that um, it's a... It's a it's it's basically saying we'll buy you off with 10%, right? Mm, mm. Yeah. We're not going to do this thing because no one wants to do this thing. It's too much hassle. But we'll give you a little bit, bit of money and 
suck it up, right? So <laughs> they basically say third-party auctions, the developers may ab apply, oh, they may apply a royalty of 10% for their products sold, um, such that they can now mon monetize third-party transactions. I didn't realize this until I read it right now, but that means that the reseller, the third party, sets it at, say, 5 euro. They have the option of uh, such that if it's automatically recognized that now it has to be sold as 5 euro 50 because they want their 10%. Oh, wow. Yeah, but there's no, they haven't put a limit on that, have they? So the, the retailer, uh, sorry, the developer can't say the minimum that this game can be sold for is no, 7 no. euros. 10%. And again, this is what I was about to jump into, which is if your resellers are like stealing these, then every cent, pence, is, uh, is profit. So 10% of a euro is a lot worse than 45 yeah. Um, they also, um, if you are selling the keys yourself through G2A, they'll put you at the top of the list of auctions. Mm -hmm. um, they've got some sort of chargeback uh, protection, which is, again, their weird G2A pay nonsense. Um, and they'll give you access to their keys so you can verify. Right. Um, they did say that they would uh, give their account manager some sort of support role as well um and they would as like humble bundle is uh, the option where people could pay more towards the developer and it would go straight to their pockets mm -hmm. uh and then some nonsense about look at our global access we have so good reach it uh, appears that they're trying to do something but maybe it's not quite enough for developers but um so lucy i want to get your opinion because you play a lot of indie games well, buy a lot of small between. developers so yeah it just it just doesn't i'm sure it doesn't sit well with a lot of people i'm sure a lot of developers will rally around this and you know as you said like mike biffle have, uh, have spoken about it and tiny build you know they're known for speaking their mind but just the fact that g2a was saying you know we'll give you 10 percent, that just feels like a bit of an insult <laughs> you know it's like yeah. you, you you're doing the wrong thing and then you just you know just putting a plaster over it rather than actually going to the root cause and you know changing your business practice but and and the thing is is that i don't even think people using um g2a are even going to be like oh we shouldn't be doing this etc etc i think you know you know bad publicity is still publicity at the yeah you know at the end and so players will be like oh i didn't know about this um this site i'm going to use them so um i just think it's um not even something to do with G2A specifically, but it's just indicative of how hard game development is and how hard it is to make a profit in the industry. And it's mm. just a shame, to be honest. But those are my thoughts about it. How it actually pans out, we'll see. Yeah, I'll, I'll say one last thing, um, which is uh, the comments of, of, of the CEO of Tiny Build. Um, I've lost them. Oh, it's because Chrome's crashing. Um, where basically the, that's a lot of fluff. Um, the only tangible thing was giving that 10%, but it still doesn't address the underlying issue of, of stolen keys. Mm -hmm. Um, and he didn't say this, but he did say this in his original blog post is he had, he has had distribution partners collapse on him, right? Because they couldn't, because the chargebacks literally the chargebacks, ruined the yeah. com company. This just changes none of that. No, completely, completely. Um, I think it's, 
it's kind of difficult to say to a company like G2A, not, not G2A specifically, but just to any company, you know, you need to completely change your business practices um, to help out other people because ultimately they are there, this is their business model and they want to be making whatever money that they're going to be making, whether that's through exploiting other people or not. Okay, um, but you kind of, you sort of need them to take a little bit of responsibility and mm. they're allowing, the they're, they're facilitating people being able to sell stolen keys, yeah. ultimately. It's witnessing a crime and not calling the cops. Yes, yeah. exactly. So it's, for me, it's just, it's not enough. It just doesn't, uh, and I, I've used G2A before. Before I knew that this, before I even thought that this was sort of something that was going on, and it's kind of a naive thing to... Well, like I said, I, I, I worked hard at selling keys the way I thought that that sort of ideal model of G2A to get the division, which is, you know, a this year game. Like, it was only a few months ago that I did that. Yeah. And yeah. now all my spare keys will go to steamgifts.com. Yes. Um, because they <laughs> is, are just a community that uh, allows you to basically give a code, list it, and then people can use their slowly accruing points to bid on things. And you can, you know, you can only really put your name in the hat once and then at the end of your uh time uh you, someone gets it and yeah that's it yeah there, i mean yeah. there's more complicated things with levels and blah blah but that is where my keys will be going uh, because you do get rewarded for being part of the community because the more you give the higher a level the more, a more auctions you have access to um but mm -hmm. also it just i'm not using this this key has literally been in my um hands for two and a half years it will it'll just rot there i might as well give it to someone who wants the game enough that they went to a website and clicked a button yeah yeah that's fair enough um so we shall finish there for another week um let us know your thoughts on this whole g2a oh, how would tiny we do that row is it a row i suppose it must be um they can do that in several ways you can go to our facebook page Ooh, facebook page um that's just tanked up cast uh, I don't know. However, I think it's just Facebook look at tank up and does things. Yeah. Yes, you could. Um, you can go to our YouTube page. You can leave comments on YouTube underneath our videos, uh, and that is tanked up cast, definitely. And, and, and our videos are mostly the podcast because we have they, they are pretty well. much just the podcast. Um, we are also on Twitter at tanked up underscore cast. I'm at nova underscore forty seven. Adel is at the omniarch. So that's how you can talk to the two of us, Lucy. How can people talk to you? Um. Just follow me on Twitter. It's at Indie Marathon. Um, if you want to add me on Xbox or PlayStation, it's just Juicy Loose Nine. Mm. Nice, nice. Also, um, I'm the Omniarch on all of the things. You are. Um, and uh, speaking of Indie Marathon, what is that, Lucy? Ah, it's my site that's dedicated to covering and reviewing indie games. So yeah, come check that out as well. Nice. <laughs> I thought you had a. I thought you did a website about beer or something. That's coming. That's in the pipeline. Oh. It should probably be more appropriate not, for this. Not quite there yet. No, yeah, we, we talked about yet. games and beer. It's not more appropriate. Oh, um, but yes. So uh, look forward to an upcoming Lucy project of beer. Yeah. Um, next time I'm on the podcast, hopefully it should be launched. So excellent. So, everybody, remember, we are part of the Out of Lives network as well. They've got lots of podcasts which you can go and listen to. You can also go to outoflives.net. 
and look at all of the lovely articles that people are posting and opinion pieces and constant steam sale and gog sale articles that I'm writing for all of you goddamn people who want to know about cheap games. The last time I gave you a hard time about this, you hadn't really written an article for Out of Lives, but you've really got to stop saying they and start saying we. (laughs) You're literally writing for the website now and you're like, they've got a bunch of podcasts. (laughs) Is it is it really because we're not out of tanked up? Or out of tankards? I don't know. Who knows? And I'm very involved as well. Yeah, I was so gonna say you've knows. stepped up your involvement uh, I know. and still it's they. Um, oh dear. What right, is so, your favorite beer, Ben? Yes, my, um, I'm it's very difficult to choose between the two of these. Um But I uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have Lucy, to why don't you tell us slightly. your favorite beer? Um that's the thing. I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> that, that that haywire one was really nice, um, mm. really nice fruity IPA. Yeah. But this blood orange IPA, it's just, it's something so. It's it's like nothing I've ever tasted. Um, without trying to be too hyperbolic, it is really interesting having that IPA um, and kind of almost stouty, you know, coffee maltiness in it as well. Yeah. So, which one? I'll, I'll, I'll give I'll give them both five stars out for. Oh wow! <laughs> um, which uh, would you also if you saw them both in a bar, a pub? Mm. Oh, good lord! Then my North Americanism came out. I said a bar, uh, in a pub. Um, like if if you saw a Blood Orange IPA in a, bar, a pub, a bar pub, a pub bar. I probably um, wouldn't have picked it up. No. Yeah, but no. now that you've had it, would you seek it out? This is what I'm trying to ask with my mumbling. Oh mumbling. yeah. I mean, um, Brewerage de Molen, they do some really nice beers. I yeah. think this is the second or the third I've tried from them. Um, so, yeah, to be honest, I'm going to okay. pick up some more of their beers. Excellent. Because uh, I've had some really unique beers that I've acknowledged are super unique, but I would never really seek out to have that experience again. Well, mm. I was like, this is a good beer. Would you say the same about your two beers? Uh, I would, yeah. The High Wire was really nice. It had a really nice flavor. Um, but I think I would pick the Arbor just because it was the more interesting of the two beers, definitely. Um, for my side, I really like this um, Graceland. Oh, did I even? I don't even think I said the Flying Monkeys beer's name. It's Graceland Two, as in T O O, but it's actually the second time these two breweries have come together. Um, and I think um, that I would say I would pick this one over the other one just on the on the interesting sake and also because it's summer and it like i said it has that wheat beer hefeweizen's taste so it's an ipa you could sort of have on a sunny day nice nice good excellent so for another week we've been tanked up thank you very much for listening take it easy ciao bye And then suddenly it was like, no, I am working. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> you, can, you can continue. It's still going. Uh...